the Christian Missionary Alliance has approximately 850 international workers uh, scattered all over the, the world. Uh, they serve three years over there, and then they come back uh, to the United States for, for a year furlough. When they come back, most of them come back at the same time. There's a, approximately, they, they have a, a, a meeting for them when they come back to the States. Uh, I forget exactly what it's, I know the acronym is HAMS, Home Assignment Missions Seminar. Mission Seminar. There you go. And, and at that point, they try to acclimate them back to the States and what happened while you were gone and all those things. And they usually bring in a speaker uh, to be the pastor of the missionaries during that time. Probably my greatest honor that I have, uh, I have had in the last 20 plus years was being asked to be that. And, and I, you got to keep in mind, I grew up in the church. I'm an alliance pastor. I was planning to go overseas myself. But when I was there and I was actually able to sit down for many meals with lots of different missionaries from all over the world... Uh, my goodness, my understanding of missions, my heart for missions just, just went off the roof. And so we're kind of trying to reduplicate that a little bit uh, this morning as we're meeting with, with Joe Keel, a very special gal that I'm convinced God has something for each of us here this morning that he wants to share through Joe. Uh, the question will be if, if we're listening or not, though. So would you pray with me and take just, let's take just a moment and ask Lord, that by your spirit you would speak, and anything that we would have in our hearts that would uh, keep us from hearing what you would have for us, would you allow us to put that aside? Would, would you, you check that in our spirit? And God, we would ask that, that at this point your, your spirit again would, would flow, that you would have your way with us, and that uh, Jesus would be honored through this time. For it's in his name that we do ask these things, Lord. Amen. Joe is a very special lady. Uh, several reasons. One is she's a native from Wisconsin. So, ah, yeah, when I heard that, I thought, oh, a Packers fan. God is sending me in this, in this desert of black and gold. God is sending me a Packers fan. But she's from the other side of the state. And you need to know in Wisconsin, the other side of the state, the western part, it's all renegade Wisconsin people. They're, they're, they're Vikings fans. Um, but either way, no, no clapping here. <laughs> Either way, uh, that's not what makes her all that special anyway. Uh, she has served for the last 25 years of her life in Brazil with the Christian Missionary Alliance. Uh, she's come home for furlough many times since then, but this is different because she won't be going back. The alliance is closing down the field in Brazil, and the reason why they are is because God has used the missionaries in such an incredible way that the national church there can stand on its own. And so the missionaries are kind of, yes, that's right. The missionaries are handing over the keys and saying, uh, drive it well. We'll see you in, in heaven. Don't forget who who's you belong to and, and the work that he's called us to. And while that's definitely a part of celebration, I'm sure that's why they go. I'm assuming on one level there's some sadness because 25 years of your life were spent there. And so she'll be sharing with us a little bit, looking back, uh, was it worth it? All of, all of that. And so, Joe, you grew up on the farm. You, you told us last hour you milked cows. Uh, wonderful. How did a farm girl from Western, P, uh, Western, PA, Western Wisconsin uh, end up in Brazil? I'm guessing that you're probably the only one from your graduating class who that happened to. What, what, how did that happen? Share with us your story a little bit. Well, the answer is it's a very long process. 
for I did not always want to be a missionary. It was the last thing that I ever wanted to do. Unfortunately, in my little hometown in Wisconsin, we never got young missionaries. We never got dynamic missionaries. We bless their hearts. We got these little old ladies with buns in their hair, and I'm sure they were very effective on the field, but I thought they were kind of boring, and I just couldn't see myself being one of them. But I grew up in a Christian Missionary Alliance church, and I heard about missions a lot. We would go to rallies when I was in junior high and high school, and it would be an opportunity to come forward and give your life to full-time Christian work. And the Holy Spirit would put me under conviction just like he did when I was eight years old and I found him as my Lord and Savior in evangelistic tent meeting. And so all the way up the aisle and all the way back, I'd say, Lord, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll be anyone. But please don't make me be a missionary. Until I did this, until I was 23 years old, and God kept calling me. That's how much he loves each and every one of us. And he called me during a snowstorm in Minnesota. There were hardly any people there, but I got there because we could walk to church. And I heard a sermon from Jeremiah 18 where the Lord said to go down to the potter's wheel house and I will give you a message. And he was molding that mere lump of clay and it was marred in his hands. And the Lord said to Jeremiah, O house of Israel, why can I not do as this potter does? And he might as well have said, O Joe, why can't I do with you? as this potter does with this lump of clay. And he began to say, if a mere lump of clay could talk back to God, what would he say? And he said word for word everything I'd been telling the Lord all those years. And at 23 years old, blank check, he said, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll even be a missionary. And last hour, Pastor, you asked me, well, what, why? Why did you resist You know why I resisted? Because I believed a lie from the pit of hell that the enemy wants each and every one of us in this room to believe. And that is, if I give my life 100% to the Lord, he's going to make me do something I don't want to do. And that's not true. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that his will is good. It is perfect. It is acceptable. And what God planned and designed and purposed for me to do was to be an international worker in Brazil for 25 years. And I love my Brazilians. We saw God move in a way that you just, I've never seen at any other time in my life. And I just want to tell anyone here, if you're resisting God, don't. He has a plan and a purpose. I believe with all my heart that just as he gave us individual, unique fingerprints, he wills that our spiritual fingerprints be on people's ministries and places, and only you and you only can do them. And my challenge to you would be, don't let those fingerprints be missing from any place, any person. I have a reminder of that. In Cambridge, Minnesota, my husband's family had a family business. And one day, Jeff's father so generously asked him if he wanted that family business. And Jeff said, no, Dad, thank you very much. But God's called us to be missionaries. And every time I see that business in Cambridge, 
I think, Lord, how different our lives would have been had we stayed home in Cambridge, Minnesota, and had our fingerprints missing from Brazil. And I thank God that he called us to a ministry of 25 years, and now we're seeing Brazilians who can take the baton and go forth. And they've sent five missionaries themselves. Uh, That's fantastic. Amen. God has done great things. Now, now you, you say you met your husband at Crown, is that right? Yes, I did. I went to Crown College, and I graduated, and so did he. And he went to Erie and Jaya on Alliance Youth Corps. And when he got back from that experience, he decided that he was going to change his major from Bible and theology to missions. And it took me a little while longer because at 23, I finally said, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. And it has been one of the greatest journeys together. And I'm so thankful that God gave me Jeff to walk this journey together in Brazil. And right now, today, where is he at? He is in Morgantown, West Virginia, preaching three sermons at their missionary uh, Global Impact Week. Yes, he's doing the same thing you're doing somewhere else. If you think back, Joe, you were there 25 years um, do you have any, any, if you think about it, any photographs of where you really saw God work, where, where something happened and you said, yes, I'm so glad that God allowed me to be a part of this instead of letting me stay back in Cabron Springs doing whatever? Well, I said that many times. There are photos of every term of service when we saw 100 to 300 people per year come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When we used to leave on Wednesday nights, the floor would be wet with tears of them weeping over the lost who still don't know Jesus. And the way they used to witness and how we saw people coming to Jesus. But I think the greatest photograph in my mind happened in my first four years. It was a difficult time going to Brazil as a 30-year-old person who was fully functional in English and in the American culture going to Brazil, where I could not speak a word of Portuguese and having to learn the language. But God gave me a gift at the end of those four years. And that gift was Hosanna. When Hosanna came to work with us, she had been, I did not know this, but she had been the leading, the right-hand person to the leading spiritist in Porto Alegre, the occult. And when she, right before she was to be baptized into blood, into spiritism, she said, God, if you exist, let me walk away. And God's hand was on her life, and she walked away without knowing Jesus as her Savior. But I know that the only way she could have done that is if God did that, and he brought her to us. She walked into our house, and she said, I, I felt a peace that I'd never felt before. And I did not know this, but... God had also put a desire in her heart that he used to bring her to Jesus, and it was this. All her life she dreamed it possible for a man and a wife to live with love, trust, and faithfulness. Her grandfather hadn't been faithful to the grandmother. The father had not been faithful to the mother, and her husbands had not been faithful to her. When she met my husband, Jeff, she said, I knew I found someone who was faithful to his wife. And as she met all the other missionaries, she began to sense that they all were faithful. Because of that, she started going to the church in Porto Alegre. And we witnessed to her. She would ask questions, come back, witness. Fourteen months. 
And I'll never forget the night that she was there. Steve Rennix gave a message of salvation. She was the first to go forward. Practically ran down the aisle on July 15, 1990. And I put my arms around her, and I, she said, you know I am here, Joe. And I said, yes, I do, to find Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Began to share with her First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And she said, oh, Joe, I know I'm a sinner. Shared with her the verse that I learned when I was saved at eight years old. But as many as receive him, to them they gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. She said, oh, Joe, I want to be a child of God. When we said amen. I was going to ask her where Jesus was, but she didn't, I didn't have to ask her. She said, if I go to the furthest end of the Amazon, Joe, and never see another person again, never hear the name of Jesus, I will never forget him because he's right here in my heart. Yeah, right. And a year later, when she came back, she moved away, and when she came back, she prayed a prayer. She asked if she could pray, and I will never forget this prayer as long as I live. She said, thank you, Jesus. For putting me from darkness to light. Thank you for putting me on your path. Thank you for bringing Jeff and Joe to Brazil. Because I'm going to be in heaven someday because they came. There is no greater joy than seeing the people that God willed for me to put my spiritual fingerprints upon. Hosanna. And there are many others. Also, I want to tell you that. I always wanted to be a clothes buyer. I never wanted to be a missionary. And when I said at 23, yes to Jesus. There's I your thought, fashion design out the window, right? There goes. Grass it's skirts and bones through your nose, right? I'm just not going to be able to use that. Well, God sent me to Brazil. And Brazilian women care a great deal what they look like. And he now God did Ephesians 3.20 for me. He did immeasurably above, more than I could ask, think, or imagine. I began to see that if I wrote seminars and began to teach women how they could be beautiful on the outside and the inside as well through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I was certified with Color Me Beautiful, and I could tell them how they could be beautiful through their skin tone, their eyes, and their hair, and it was a hook. It was a door opener. People were asking us to go to places that international workers are never usually asked to, prestigious tennis clubs. We went to the equivalent of the federal IRS during working hours and gave a presentation. We went into um, exercise academies. We went into stores, shopping centers. We went into homes. You name the venue, we were asked there. And we always gave a presentation to the gospel. And the greatest thing that I can remember in all of this was that night in that auditorium in Alphaville, Brazil, in a very rich section of that city where they have everything money can buy. Ninety people were there. And as the lights were shining and I couldn't really see their faces, I gave an opportunity to accept Jesus. And as I began to pray, I said, you can just pray the prayer with me in silence where you are. But all over that auditorium, I heard them praying the prayer out loud and they accepted Jesus. And when we got those comment cards, one third of those people accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And today in Alpha Vili, we have a Christian Missionary Alliance Church who is doing follow-up and they are doing Bible studies and they are discipling these people. 
You cannot outgive the Lord. <laughs> so you you had this desire when you were a little girl for fashion design, for girly sort of stuff, and God was just preparing you for Brazil, he giving was. you a platform by which He was going to build His kingdom in a major way. He really does. What an amazing thing! I've got there's several people here to, this morning. I want you to address them, Joe. First group, junior hires, high school, maybe college students who uh, maybe they, they, they love God. They've committed their life to Christ. But, you know, in all honesty, committing their life to missions, I mean, that's never been on the radar. And they're maybe a little afraid that if, like you were, if I do this, like probably all of us who know Christ were, if, if I do this, God's going to send me. Life's going to be awful. Uh, what would you do with that person who's wrestling with that right now? What would you say to them? Well, I can tell you that I'm proof of someone who that it was a lie, it was not true, and he will do for you what he's done for me, because Jeremiah 29:11 said, For I know the plans that I have for you, plans for a future and a hope, plans not to harm you. And whatever God has planned for you, he designed you, he made you. He will take all those gifts and talents, and everything that you are, and he will allow you to do the work that he's called you and you only to do. That's how our fingerprints are. They're unique and distinct. He has a work for you and you only to do. And if you miss that, there's nothing more sad than missing what God's called us to do. But I can tell you there's nothing more fulfilling than to do what God has called you to do. And he can give you back those things that you have and that you you thought you put on the shelf, you gave it to him and he'll give it back to you in order and color in a way you never thought possible. So junior higher, high school or college age, whoever you are out there, even adults, God can call adults. He's You're never too old, you're never too young. Hear that still small voice and do it. And to mom and dads who are out there, if God is calling your children or your grandchildren to be international workers, pray for them. Stand by them. There is nothing more freeing than to have your family behind you. My mother-in-law prayed all her life that one of her four children would be missionary. And Jeff is the answer to that prayer. And one day a little boy in Minnesota said, Mom, are you praying for me to be a missionary? Like Jeff Keel's mom was praying for him to be a missionary. Moms and dads, grandparents here, are you praying? Are you praying that God will call someone from your family so that those who still are dying and going to a crisis eternity can find Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and that those members of your family can do what God has called them and them only to do? Pray about it. Give it to the Lord, and he will bless you. My parents are heroes to Brazilians. My dad is a farmer, fourth-generation farmer on our farm, but he always knew his purpose in life, and it was to raise us kids on that farm. And our Brazilians always say, we love your mom and dad because they dedicated you to the Lord. They released you, and now we know Jesus is our personal Savior because they gave their child to come and tell us. So I want to encourage, if God's calling you, go. And if God... If you're the parents, you're the grandparents, release them and allow them to be what God has called them to be. Well, great. You know, is it uh, one of the past presidents of the Alliance, Dr. Rambo, is at the a council one year, 
And he mentioned that the greatest hindrance to missions is not this, the students being willing to go, but the parents being willing to release their students to go. So what a great word. Joe, there, there are no doubt, and the, the number of folk here, there, there are no doubt people here who've never surrendered their life to Christ. Uh, maybe they understand it all, but again, maybe they're afraid. Maybe they like the way life is going, and they just have not surrendered to Christ for one reason or the other. What would you say to them? I would say to them, receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior is the greatest decision that you can make. And in life, there's a lot of choices. And many times our choices can have a bearing on our future. And by receiving Jesus Christ and making this wonderful decision, it will make a future, future in heaven, but a future on this earth, the best it can be. I shared last hour that we have children who uh, come from the streets in Porto Alegre, and they are brought into homes. And they, we started out with one, and we have over 100 now that the Alliance takes care of. And I will never forget Anderson when he came. His mom went out to get something when he was eight years old, and she never came back. And he tried to keep he and his three sisters together. That was the desire of his heart. So they came into the Alliance program for the needy, needy children, and I can remember the first week he was with my friend and he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And he said, Chia, Auntie, I know I just made the most important decision of my life. So like Anderson, choose Jesus Christ. I have seen God do great things in Brazil, but he's the same God in Erie, Pennsylvania as he is in Brazil And he wants to come and be the Lord and Savior of your life. So if you have never done that, accept him today. Today is the day of salvation. You will never regret. You can never outgive the great God that we serve. Right. Joe, I don't know if a lot of folk understand how you're paid, how things work out for you. But the 2000 Alliance churches in the United States kind of pool all their money. And office in Colorado Springs kind of divvies it out, takes care of the, the orphan children. They are all kinds of issues across the, the, the globe, pays for the missionaries, so you don't have to worry about your support and send out all your letters and make sure that all that happens. Um, there are people here who've been sacrificially giving to that fund, the Great Commission Fund, for many, many years. What would you say to them? To those of you who have been giving to the Great Commission Fund sacrificially for many, many years, I say thank you. And I also say muito obrigada. Because every time I leave Brazil, our Brazilians say, when you go back to those churches, you thank them. Because if they had not sent, if they had not prayed, if they had not given, we wouldn't know Jesus is our personal Savior. So from Adu, Eliani, Marlon, and many, many more from Brazil, thank you. And from Jeff and Joe, thank you. You don't know what freedom it is to be able to come and share what God has done. We don't have to worry and talk about money. And your giving to the Great Commission Fund allows us to every month be on that area where God's called us to. The money comes in every month on the voucher. We praise God for you. We are truly living the call together. We couldn't be doing what we're doing around the world without people like Erie, Pennsylvania people giving to the Lord. Do you know that 
when we first got our kids and we kept getting so many children off the streets and we, we needed money and we needed um, to build, God spoke to a man from Pennsylvania. I don't know where, but God spoke to a man in Pennsylvania. And he's not a rich man, but he wrote out a check for $25,000. And with that check, we were able to buy land and build our first house. God uses greatly people from Pennsylvania. And so I thank you. I also have another story of him. One of our missionaries who got to the field because God told a woman in Pennsylvania to pray for him, and she didn't even know this. Steve Rennick, she did not know his name. She did not know him. But God awoke her in the night and told her to pray for a Steve Rennick. Thirty years she prayed for him. She prayed him to the mission field because he was a rebellious teenager, and he turned his life over to the Lord. So when he went to her church, she said, did something significant happen in 1964? And he said, that's when I gave my heart and life to Jesus fully. And you know what? Steve Rennix is one of the greatest missionaries that we had in the Alliance in Porto Alegre. But that lady from Pennsylvania, her fingerprints are right there with his on all those people. Because people from Pennsylvania like yourselves, you heard the voice of God. You gave and you prayed. And we want to thank you because we know we could not be in Brazil and doing what we're doing around the world if it isn't for you. And if you have never given, consider giving. It is You can be a part of the greatest army in the world. Our God is doing great things overseas. And he said to go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize them and teach them. And you can be a part of that. And all I can tell you is I had the privilege of seeing firsthand front seat to what God did in Brazil. And I just thank the Lord for it. And I know that we could not be living the call together if not for you who give, who pray, and send us. Thank you. It reminds me, Matthew 25, Jesus gives this parable of the the talents, where one says the master is going away. He calls his servants, his slaves in, and he he entrusts them with his property. He doesn't just give them a gift. They didn't win the lotto or anything. Uh, The slave, first slave gets five talents. Different understandings on how much that can be, but my ESV study Bible says that one talent equals 20 years worth of work. That's a million bucks if you're making 50000 a year. So the person who's got five is doing okay. And these slaves probably felt like they'd won the lotto. But they knew that there's going to be an accounting day, that it's really not theirs. And so they go to work. And the master comes back, you know the story, and the one with five talents says, Master, I gave me five, here are five more that I, I, I made for you. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. The man he gave two, two comes back and he says, Master, you gave me two, here's two more. We might think, well, this guy with the two, he, he had so much less than the other guy, less of him, made less money for him and the rest of it, exact same uh, blessing. I and mean, this is encouraging to me because sometimes we think, if I'm that NFL quarterback who's got the huge contract, that's a platform. I can give a lot to the Lord then. Uh, but what I have now, I can give very little. It's not the size of our gift. It's, it's our faith. It's our passion that has the, the heartbeat of God. If we give out of that exact same blessing, well done. But then the third person comes, and they recognize that what they have came from God. But it says that, that he looked at the master and he said, I was afraid. And so I didn't invest. The reason why we don't 
invest in kingdom work is often because we're afraid. If I give, I'm not going to have enough for retirement. I'm not going to have enough for my kids. I'm not going to have, I'm afraid that God won't bless if, if I invest in his kingdom. And Jesus does not have affirmation for that uh, servant. Let me encourage the, the students here first, because often you guys get off the hook with this kind of a thing. Um, if you've got your paper out, if you've got your Max and Irma's dishwashing paycheck, if you've got your allowance, are you giving? Forget giving to the church right now. If you're suspicious, just hold on that because we don't get a penny. The church doesn't get a penny of the money that's given to the Great Commission Fund. Are you giving to get missionaries to the field and to support them? Uh, the little bit from your paycheck. You know, there was a gal, true, true story, uh, a little girl. Hattie May was her name. She was standing outside church one day. Pastor came by. She was sobbing. He said, what's the problem, little girl? And she said, they won't let me in. They said the church is too full. And it was full. But he looked at her unkempt, shabby appearance, and he realized what was going on. He took her by the hand, and he led her into the, the, through the doors, brought her to his Sunday school class, and, and got her uh, a seat. Uh, she went to bed that night grateful for her new friend, but also burdened. For the, the other kids in her, her project areas, her tenant areas, who, who would not be able to go to Sunday school because there's no room. Uh, two years later, uh, Hetty May's body was found in one of the uh, tenant buildings. And the family called the, the pastor. And when he came and they moved the body, they found a crumpled red purse that she probably pulled out of the garbage someplace. And when they went through it, there was 57 cents and, and a note written in child handwriting that said, this is for the little church to build a bigger church so more children can come. When, when the pastor saw that, he, he knew what he had to do. And the next Sunday he went to church and he presented it to the people. And he got his deacons together and said, you, you all be working, find some, some money so we can build a larger church. Well, the media got a hold of this. Five years later, Hattie's 57 cents turned into $250,000, which was a lot of money in 1900. Today... When you go to Philadelphia, stop by Temple Baptist Church and look at their sanctuary that seats 3,300. Stop off at Temple University, then also Good Samaritan Hospital and the Sunday school room that houses some, several hundred Sunday scholars. And in one of those rooms, you'll see a picture of Hattie May with a plaque in, in her dedication. If you have just a little bit to give, don't think God won't use that. Oh, he'll multiply that in a major, major way. Giving doesn't start when you land that big job or that big contract. It starts, it starts now. Um, in your bulletin, there's a faith promise card. This is for you. This is nothing for you to hand in. This is between you and God. Let me encourage you, student, adult, to go home and just between you and God, uh, figure out what he might have for you to give this year to the Great Commission Fund. Um, I'm going to ask Gail to come out and, and sing for us. And while she's singing, would you take this time to, to stop and to reflect and think and to pray through, God, what would you have for me? You, everything I have is from you. How would you want me to use it? And if, again, if you're feeling nervous about what I'm saying right now, it's a mulligan for you. Don't worry about it. You're off the hook. Don't worry about it. But if you're sincerely wondering, what is it you'd have for me, God? Bring that before him. He'll, he'll make that clear for you. Then, then when Gail's done singing, I've asked Scott Taylor, the point person for our Global Impact Week, to come and pray. Pray for the keels. Uh, pray, close our missions conference, and then dismiss us.